thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Indians 4, the Minnesota Twins 2. The Indians even up the series at one game apiece. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And last night was a perfect example of how you can watch an entire game and it all hinges on one or two at-bats, right? The whole game can swing on one or two at-bats. And for the Indians, it was the sixth inning. It was Francisco Lindor. It was Tyler Naquin. The whole the balance of the game hinged on the bottom of that sixth inning. And for the Indians, Shane Bieber was on the mound, and he pitched fantastic. He's now 6-0, six innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, three walks, and 10 strikeouts. Bieber is now leading Major League Baseball with 75 strikeouts. In second place is Lucas Giolito at 58, who didn't have himself a bad day yesterday either. He pitched the first no-hitter of the 2020 season. So congrats to Lucas Giolito. But we are focusing on the Indians and Shane Bieber's incredible season striking out batters. And we'll get into the details of that and how he did it. But first, let's take a look at this game. Let's see how it all went down. What are the highlights we need to talk about? And hey, first highlight is Shane Bieber striking out Max Kepler. He threw him a curveball that bounced in front of the batter's box. And Kepler could not hold back on it. He uh, then gets Nelson Cruz to strike out swinging on a uh, slider down and away. That would be a theme on the night for Nelson Cruz. Good first inning for Shane Bieber. In the bottom of the first, after Cesar Hernandez flies out to lead off the game. Sorry, no home run from Cesar Hernandez tonight. Jose Ramirez singles to left field. After the single, Jose Ramirez steals second base on a pickoff attempt by Rich Hill, which would also be a theme in this game because later in the game, they would get Jordan Luplo in a situation like this. But this time, Jose Ramirez is too fast. Even though Rich Hill is able to throw back to first, Ramirez is able to steal second. Maybe there was something in the scouting report on Rich Hill. Maybe they were just going on first movement from him. But clearly, these Indians base runners uh, wanted to steal some bases off Rich Hill last night. Because Jose Ramirez gets to second base. What does he do? He steals third base on him. A clean steal of third base. The throw comes in high. And uh, Jose Ramirez is really getting things done by himself in this first inning. Uh, Francisco Lindor grounds out to third base. So Jose Ramirez is stuck there at third base. Unfortunately, it's a great RBI opportunity for Francisco Lindor in the first. But he comes through later. And then Carlos Santana with two outs. Situational hitting. Big clutch hitting from Carlos Santana here. He shoots a ground ball into left field, and Jose Ramirez comes in to score the first run of the game. The Indians did have a chance to add more that inning. Femil Reyes did hit a line drive into left field. However, he tried stretching into a double, and he was thrown out by Eddie Rosario in left, from left field, and he's gunned out at second base trying to stretch it into a double. So... You know, you can't blame a guy for being aggressive. Uh, The situation does come up later in the game where he singles in the left, and this time he holds up at first, so he learned his lesson about running on Eddie Rosario. But it does hurt that you have a chance to really blow a game open in the first inning, and unfortunately, base running, you run yourself out of the inning. You run yourself into the inning with Jose Ramirez, and then you run yourself out of the inning with Fermil Reyes. 
Second inning, Shane Bieber gets into trouble, and it's not what you expect. It's walks. He actually walks Sano to lead off the inning. He gets Wade to strike out looking, and then walks Marlin, Marwin Gonzalez. He's now put two runners on base because of walks, and Luis Arise makes him pay. Line drive into center field. Miguel Sano scores. Marwin Gonzalez goes to third, and Arise is into second with a double. So now you've got a situation where you've tied up the game, you got runners on second and third, and there's still only one out. And what do we say? When you get a runner a third with less than two outs, there are so many ways for them to come in to score. Fortunately for the Indians, the next batter actually grounds into a fielder's choice. Ryan Jeffers hits one to Jose Ramirez, who's able to come home with it to Roberto Perez and put the tag on Marwin Gonzalez. So it looks like there's a chance Shane Bieber can get out of this thing. He's now got two outs. He does have runners on the corners now. And Max Kepler coming up. And Max Kepler is a hitting machine against the Cleveland Indians. He gets himself into a hitter's count. In a 2-0 count, Shane Bieber loves to throw you something you don't expect. Max Kepler was expecting it. A curveball up, easy to hit. He line drives it out into right field, and Arise scores. Jeffers moves up to second. He then gets Polanco to ground out to end the inning. So he gives up the lead. The Twins take the lead in the second by scratching two across. It's now 2-1 to Minnesota. What would the Indians do to answer back? Well, it would take a while. In the bottom of the second, after Luplo walks, that's where he got picked off and uh, thrown out at second base. In the third inning, Shane Bieber is back to striking guys out. He gets Nelson Cruz swinging. He gets Eddie Rosario swinging. He walks Miguel Sano again. He was pitching around Miguel Sano. I mean, uh, Sano on the day... Had the two walks and a hit. So he was on base three times. So a decent day for Sano. But he gets out of the inning. He gets Wade to fly out. The Indians do put a little bit of a rally together in the fourth inning. A two-out rally, actually. After Francisco Lindor grounds out, Carlos Santana flies out. Fermil Reyes singles. This is the one where he learned his lesson. He did not try to go to second on Eddie Rosario. Jordan Luplo walks again. Jordan Luplo didn't actually have an official at-bat in the game. He was two walks in two plate appearances, so no official at-bats for Jordan Luplo. Uh, Tyler Naquid would eventually come in and pinch hit for him. So the Indians do have a bit of a rally going. Unfortunately, Domingo Santana strikes out swinging on a curveball inside. Domingo Santana is struggling. And a chance to tie up the game, a chance at a two-out rally, goes by the wayside. Shane Bieber hangs in there, though, gets another strikeout of Nelson Cruz in the fifth inning, a clean inning for him. Unfortunately, the Indians would then be set down in order in the fifth, struck out the side by Rich Hill. He gets Roberto Perez looking. He gets Delino DeShield swinging and then gets Cesar Hernandez swinging. Rich Hill definitely locked in in the fifth inning. However, that would be his last inning. Uh, their manager said that, uh, it was his, he's coming back. I guess he didn't start the season with the team because of injury. So they, they didn't want to leave him out there for too many pitches or something like that. He threw 78 pitches on the day, 50 for strike. Meanwhile, Bieber on the other side threw 102, 60 for strikes. And so, yeah. So, I mean, when a guy strikes out the side, 
you think you would leave him in, but apparently some kind of pitch count is the reason he came out, and they bring in Jorge Alcala, and that did not work out well for them. Jose Ramirez singles to lead off the inning, and then Francisco Lindor hits a huge home run to right field, hits it out the flow in right field. It was a curveball that was right down the pipe, a nice, easy, looping curveball, and Francisco Lindor did the damage with it, and he was fired up. He was not Mr. Smiles last night. He was all fired up after this home run. You could tell he wanted it. And looking at his swings from the night before, when Kenta Maeda struck him out, it felt like he was trying to hit home runs off those pitches, right? He was swinging pretty hard, striking out against Kenta Maeda. Tonight, this home run swing here, it was the easiest, most relaxed swing I have seen him take all season. It was his fifth home run on the season, and he let the bat do the work. He let his mechanics do the work. He didn't try to hit a home run. He hit a home run. So hopefully that's a lesson that Francisco Lindor takes moving forward here, that uh, when you really want a home run, when you're really trying for a home run, Sometimes that's, sometimes that's not the best approach. Sometimes letting your mechanics work, trusting yourself, trusting your mechanics is the best approach at the plate. Now, normally a home run tends to kill rallies, right? It feels like home runs always end a rally. Well, not this time. Carlos Santana walks, makes all those Walktana fans happy. Vermeil Reyes does ground out, but Carlos Santana moves up to second. It was a kind of a weak ground ball, and they, there was no chance for a double play. And then Tyler Naquin comes in, and Naquin doubles on a... It looked like maybe a changeup that was down and in, and that is Naquin's sweet spot. He lines it out into right field, and Carlos Santana comes around from second to score. Naquin's got the speed. The ball dribbles all the way to the wall, and he's into second with a double. That's where the rally would end, but that's a huge insurance run. You already went up 3-2 on Lindor's homer. Now it's 4-2. That is is huge against an offense that you know can hit a home run at any moment. Oliver Perez then comes into the game. He gets himself in a little bit of a jam, but gets a huge double play from Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez basically knocked the ball down, kept it in front of him, right? Infielders, that's a great lesson. Keep the ball in front of you, and good things can still happen. Steps on third, throws across to Santana. Santana puts the tag on Jorge Polanco, and that ends the threat. James Karinchek comes in to pitch the eighth, and we love when K- James Karinchek comes in. He uh, gets Nelson Cruz to line out. It, it was a hard hit ball by Cruz, but good thing Tyler Naquin's out there. I think that's the one that Tyler Naquin came charging in on. If I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, go ahead and tweet at me. I believe that's the one that Tyler Naquin came charging in on and made a nice shoe, shoe top catch. And that ball is not getting caught by Domingo Santana. We need Naquin out there for his defense. So he makes that catch. He gets Eddie Rosario to fly out deep in center field. Miguel Sano does single. I told you Miguel Sano had a good night. But he gets Lamont Wade to strike out swinging. So not a typical Karen check outing, but does the job. Continues to be one of the best relief pitchers in baseball. And then in the ninth inning, Brad Hand comes in for the save, and uh, you could relax. You could breathe easy, easy because Brad Hand is actually kind of locked in. He gets Marwin Gonzalez to line out the center. 
Arise is called out on a fastball down in a way that definitely painted the outside corner of the plate. He's called out on strikes, and then he gets Vargas to fly out to right field to end the game. And it was a pitch. It was a breaking ball that was right down the middle. I'm not going to lie. He, he broke it right back down the middle of the plate. But the slider-fastball combo is working good enough for him now that Vargas was completely off balance, had to, you know had to flail at it, basically. He was protecting against a pitch right down the middle and just pops it out to right field. So Brad Hand is locked in, and the Indians win 4-2. to two. Looking at the box score, Hernandez struggled a little bit tonight. He did have a walk. Jose Ramirez with two hits, two runs scored, the two stolen bases. Big night for Jose Ramirez. Lindor, only one hit on the day, but it's the home run, the go-ahead home run. The let's get this offense going home run from Francisco Lindor. And that is why he's getting MVP for a day. If he's not going to get this team going with a smile, then maybe he's going to get this team going with a chip on his shoulder. Maybe he's going to get this team going with a little bit of angry energy, right? It's okay to get angry a little bit sometimes. So Lindor gets this team definitely pumped up when he's hitting home runs, when he's screaming in Spanish, let's go into the dugout. So Lindor gets MVP for a day. Santana was on base twice, two hits from Fermil Reyes, even though he was thrown out at second. Uh, Luplo, like we said, the Luplo-Naquin combination was on base three times, and uh, nothing from the bottom of the lineup, unfortunately. Bieber goes the six innings, gets the win. He's 6-0 on the season. Oliver Perez gets the hold, even though it was a tough inning for him. He gets the double play and gets out of it. Karinchek gets his fifth hold on the season. His ERA is now to 0.54. And then Hand gets his eighth save with a clean ninth inning. So that's how it all went down. Shane Bieber looking at his pitching from yesterday. And like we said, he had the 10 strikeouts. And what really impressed me was how much these guys were chasing out of the strike zone. And... Again, looking at the plate discipline numbers on fan graphs for Shane Bieber's start last night, he got batters to swing at the O swing percentage, the percentage of pitches a batter swings at outside the strike zone. He got them to swing at 32.9% of his pitches out of the strike zone, which is down a little bit for him. It's actually his lowest on the season, but the contact they were making on those swings. So the O contact. The percentage of times a batter makes contact with the ball when swinging at pitches thrown outside the strike zone. Last night, only 39.1% contact when those guys went searching for balls outside the zone. It is his third lowest on the season. His last start, it was up at 58%. So not getting as much swing and miss outside the zone. His last start against Pittsburgh... It was definitely working against Minnesota. Lots of sliders and curves in the dirt, down and away, through a backdoor curve to well lefty for a strikeout. He did get one strikeout on a fastball. So, yeah, he was definitely getting guys to swing and miss outside the zone. The other thing I want to take a look at is Tyler Naquin because I love that swing from Tyler Naquin. And Tyler Naquin has not had the easiest go of things the most at bats he's ever had in a season is 321 and that was his rookie season that was 2016 
37 at-bats in 2017, 174 at-bats in 2018, 274 at-bats in 2019. It looked like he was on his way to a full season until he hurts that knee in the middle of summer, and now he's at 38 at-bats at at this season. He's only played in 12 out of 30 games. So Tyler Naquin has never really gotten a full shake, you know, a fair shake at this, at being an everyday outfielder for the Indians. But when he's in there, he's been productive. His OPS in his rookie season was his best. It was 886, but the last two seasons, 792 last year and 755 this year, it's, it's respectable. He's batted 288 last year, 289 this year. Again, respectable. His his WRC plus is an interesting stat to look at. It's one of those, anytime you see that plus, it's where the league average is set to 100. So anything over 100 is going to be considered better than league average. Anything under 100 is going to be considered worse than league average. And this is runs created. So everything he does to create runs for this team. His rookie season was really good. It was a 133 WRC plus. That's good. Bad the next two years. It was 101 last year. So he was doing it. He was above league average last year. This year it's at 98. Now, he's only played in 12 games. I think this number, if he keeps going like this, will be above 100 by the time this season is done. That is something we will keep an eye on. So, Tyler Naquin, when given the chance, can do some damage. Now, looking at his heat map, this is fun. I've always thought that Tyler Naquin has had that classic lefty swing where he just can line things into right field. And looking at all the pitches he's ever faced in his career, his heat map, the red is all in the bottom of the zone. Everything is down. There's very little. There's no red from the middle of the plate up. So nothing above the belt does he really handle well. Now, I'm not giving anything away that teams don't already know. If I were pitching against Tyler Naquin, I'm coming in high against him because he is red hot at the bottom of the zone. Now, what about last night he got a changeup? What's that map look like if we just look at a changeup? Bottom of the zone, actually away. Down and away, he seems to handle the changeup really well. So that's interesting. Last night he got it down and in. Uh, I believe where that pitch might have been located, it says that he hits about 500 in that location against changeups. So down and in, yeah, but down and away, he seems to handle the pitches well that are away. Let's look at fastballs because I love watching him hit against fastballs. Fastballs, it is all down and in. It is even outside of the zone down and in. He's still red hot against those pitches. So if I'm pitching against Tyler Naquin, I am definitely not throwing him any fastballs down and in. That is his sweet spot. Where does, what does Tyler Naquin do with the ball? Where does he hit the ball? Looking at his entire career, he hits the ball all over. He tends to ground out to the right side, but I would not shift my outfield. He spreads that ball all around. His home runs do tend to go out to right field, so definitely the power is out to right, but there are plenty of singles and doubles all over the outfield, all over down the left field line. What's interesting is the triples. He's got a couple of triples in his career, right? You know, guys don't hit a lot of triples. The Jacobs field, sorry, progressive field is not a really triple-friendly park. Most of his triples seem to be shallow fly balls. A shallow fly ball on left, a shallow fly ball in center. It seems like these are balls, I'm guessing, these are balls where an outfielder came in and dove for a shallow pop-up and the ball got past him. 
That's what I'm guessing here. And roll to the wall, and Tyler Naquin's able to leg it out for a triple. So, yeah, he he really puts the ball all over. Uh, you think of him as a pull guy, as a guy that likes to pull it down the line in right field, and that's definitely true. There's a huge grouping of singles there. There's a huge grouping of doubles down that right field line. But he really puts those – he can use the opposite field. He can use center field. He can use the whole diamond. So – Tyler Naquin is a guy that I am 100% behind. I am really rooting for to stay healthy because we need him. He is an above-average outfielder if he can stay healthy. Remember, he was a number one pick. He was a first-round pick, 15th overall by the Indians in the 2012 draft. So it's a guy we've been watching for a while and we've been hoping for for a while. He's 29 years old. He's still got a lot of good baseball left in him if he can keep those legs healthy. So there it is. There's my breakdown on Tyler Naquin. Definitely a player I am rooting for. All right, coming up tomorrow, it's the big off-the-field story. And you know I like to keep it on the field, but the big off-the-field story is that Mike Clevenger is getting the start tomorrow. Now, some things that have been said about him, basically Lindor said, it, you know, life is a book, we're turning the page, it's a new chapter. It didn't sound like Lindor said, yeah, we forgave those guys, you know, everything is healed now. But it was a very professional approach saying, look, we need Mike Clevenger back to win some games for us, and probably Zach Plesak too, eventually. They did say there... There wasn't a spot for Plesak on the Major League roster right now. Let's face it, Tristan McKenzie took that spot with that great pitching performance. So we'll see what happens with McKenzie's next start, with Carrasco's next start, because we all know Carrasco's starting. I mean, there's a chance Carrasco gets moved to the bullpen and Plesak's back in the starting rotation after one more start. So there's plenty of time still on this season for Plesak to come back to this team, but Clevenger is back, and from the way it sounded... Sandy Elamar talking, Lindor talking, Antonetti talking. They punished those guys. They had their time out. Whether they learned their lesson or not, everybody is a professional, and it's the, it's a job, and they got to get to work. They got to get to work to win this division. You saw it last night. They can run with these twins. They can win this division, and they need their ace pitchers back to do it. So, I think everybody's going to have a very professional approach going forward, and hopefully time will heal everything. And I guess this answers Joe's question from yesterday. So there you go, Joe. Clevenger is back, and he's facing Berrios. So not an easy start for Clevenger facing the supposed ace of the Minnesota Twins. I mean, Kenta Maid is the ace right now. But I think going into the season, you would have considered Berrios to be the ace of that staff. Berrios is 2-3 and three with a 4.75 ERA, so it has not been a perfect season for him. He's had his struggles. Let's see if the Indians can continue to make him struggle tomorrow night and win this series. Because I think you'll feel pretty good walking out of Cleveland and heading to St. Louis with a series win over the Twins under your belt. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland. It was the Indians for the Minnesota Twins, too. We'll be back tomorrow for Clevenger vs. Berrios. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can now email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. 
Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.